It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Doing all right, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing uh, we're doing terrific. Uh, we're finally getting some nice weather here in Salt Lake. Hey, look, curiosity question: What's spring in New York like? Is it nice? Uh, it's a trick question. It depends <laughs> on the day. Uh, like a couple days ago, it dropped into the forties again here, and it was just brutal. And like the forties, you know, if it's the middle of winter, a forty-five degree day here, people are like in shorts. Like, it just feels great. Like, okay, it's, a, it's sunny in 45. It's a, but 40s in April is cruel because we've just gotten used to, like, oh, there's a couple of 65-degree days or something. Everybody gets, you know, feels nice. You go outside. And then all of a sudden it drops 20 degrees, and it's just it's like Mother Nature's just messing with us. So uh, it has bounced back to about 60 today. So, you know, not exactly like short sleeve, shorts weather um, by most people's standards, but it's all right. Howard, what you just described sounds like springtime in the Rockies, didn't it, Jake? A little bit, yeah. Inconsistent, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh well. Uh, Howard, <laughs> let's let's talk a little uh, let's talk a little basketball. As much as Gordon and I do talk about the weather randomly, that is a thing. Gordon and I talk about the weather way too much. Uh, but uh, Jazz winning some games without Donovan Mitchell. What is it? Uh, and they're not playing the greatest competition necessarily, Howard. But what what does it say about a team that they can keep up uh, winning basketball games without their number one offensive guy? I think what's encouraging about it is if, you know, you think about what we've talked about before where, you know, part of the, uh, you know, skepticism about the Jazz and certainly skepticism that I have put some voice to occasionally on this show is that, well, what happens in the playoffs if Donovan Mitchell's got an off game if, or if the defense is totally geared toward, you know, stopping him or, um, you know, flustering him, making him less efficient? You know, does the offense have – Alternatives. Is there another gear? Is there another uh, way to attack that relies on everybody else? And so winning without Mitchell right now, I'm not saying it's some sort of preview or guide for the postseason, but I, I think it does build confidence and it does show that they've, they've got some alternatives. You, you know, you don't want to be too dependent on, on one player um, when it gets to the postseason. And, you know, we're getting close. Howard, there's no way you can answer this question directly or with exactness. But do you have a feeling for now that Jazz 44 and 15, they're two games up on the Suns with 13 games to play. You think they're going to take the top spot in the West? What's your gut telling you? I have not looked at remaining strength of schedule recently. That would be uh, one thing to uh, to to you know consider. Obviously, um, I'm going to actually pull it up while we're speaking. Um, my recollection is that Utah had one of the easiest schedules in the second yeah, half of the season anyway. And yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah. they're still, yeah, they've got like the third easiest schedule and Phoenix has, Ooh, the fifth hardest schedule from here on out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, based on that, I'm going to say that, uh, the Chaz probably are going to take the top spot. It's well, weird though. Cause the Suns, you know, Jake and I keep watching the Suns and uh, they lost to the Celtics, but that win over the Sixers wasn't bad and the win over the Bucks wasn't bad either. I mean, the Suns, I, we get the feeling that this team, uh, I mean, I know there are doubts uh, sort of a sweep away still, but 
That seems good. Yeah, the Suns are legit. I mean, it's I, I, guys, I cannot remember a year where the top two seeds, and if it turns out that, you know, like I mean, like the, the, the Clippers could still, I guess, overtake the Suns or something, but um, assuming things hold, a year where the top two seeds are both teams that nobody saw coming. Like, that Utah was going to be good, fine. That the Suns were going to be a playoff team, fine. But that they would be the top two seeds nobody saw, nobody expected, nobody could have predicted, not even those teams. And as a result, um, it's hard for everybody to assess both of them. And and so Phoenix is absolutely legit, though. Um, again, like the Jazz, they're not built like the typical modern-day contender with like two or three, you know, top 10, top 12 guys or whatever. This is, again, it's not LeBron and AD. It's not Kawhi and Paul George. It's not, you know, it's not the Warriors super team. It's not the Heat super team. But the Suns have Devin Booker. And, and, and you know, it's not to diminish Chris Paul, but like he's a much older Chris Paul. You know, he's going to the Hall of Fame, and he's still playing at an incredibly high level, but this is not prime Chris Paul. So they've got one star and a bunch of really good players around him, much like the Jazz have, have you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, who are, you know, especially in Rudy's case, we've talked about, is a different kind of star. So it's not the prototypical build for a contender for either of these teams. And so all the, you know, the, the analytics would tell you that these are these are legit contenders and, uh, you know, these are teams that are both strong at both ends of the court. Um, but it, it, I think it's still going to be, well, let's see what happens in the postseason, you know. Um, and... The West is really weird right now because the Lakers are at the bottom part of the bracket, probably going to end up in that 4-5 matchup with Denver. And so now second round, I mean, like, do you really want to be number one (laughs) here like this? Because your reward will be second round, probably getting the defending champions. Um, that, That would be a reasonable expectation. Nuggets, you know, Lakers over Nuggets without Jamal Murray. And then, Second round for for Utah ends up being the Lakers. I, I that's so you know all the questions about are they legit and can they knock out the the, the more star studded teams? You know we'll we'll find out sooner than later. Speaking of star studded teams, I saw that uh, James Harden had a setback with his hamstring. Are we getting to the point where we might not see a full strength Brooklyn Nets team this year? Possible. Um, with only a few weeks left, I mean, this has been the story of their season, and and everybody's downplaying it. Well, you know, when you have that kind of talent, it doesn't matter. They don't need to play together. I think that's crazy. I mean, look, chemistry alone can't make a less talented team, um, you know, into a contender, right? Uh, But having the most talent doesn't mean that chemistry doesn't matter anymore. You know, you still need to, to figure out it's it's not just pecking order or or roles. It's it's rhythm with each other. It's reading each other. It's what you do in crunch time. It's if you you know it's it's about you know kind of muscle memory in a way. And so again, among the other things that we've never seen before, I don't think I've ever seen a team put together like this, kind of on the fly, where these three stars came together. Granted, two of them were already in the roster, but Durant had missed an entire season. But it's it's, a, it's as if this team was formed three months ago. Mid-January, they get Harden. So Harden, Durant, and Kyrie come together mid-January, play whatever it's been, 17 games together over three months, <laughs> and that's it. And now they're going to go into the playoffs? I, I, I think there's legitimate 
or should be legitimate concerns. Uh, I, I don't think it's as simple as, well, they're supremely talented, they'll be fine. Um, and they might be, you know. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's great having three guys who are all go-to guys in crunch time. Um, but I think Philly and Milwaukee can make a better case for just cohesion and stability and kind of a, a knowledge base of playing with each other. Howard, are you surprised that the Nuggets have won four straight after the loss of Jamal Murray? I mean, I'm not surprised, and it, it's still, you know, uh, you know, it's a short spurt, and then they're good wins. Um, I, I think it, it speaks well of them. Um, but, you know, the one thing I said when he went down was, you know, everybody immediately wrote them off as, as contenders, and I said, look, I, I get it. They're probably not going to win the West now. And they had a legit shot before he went down. They probably went without their second best player. On the other hand, they've got some pretty nice depth. And picking up Aaron Gordon at the deadline, I think, you know, certainly was was some help. Um, and Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. give them a lot of firepower. So I I thought they still have you know a chance. Things have to break their way, but they've got a chance. Um, this is a really good team. And so you know I I. I even though if it's a 4-5 Denver versus L.A., I'm going to expect if the Lakers are healthy for them to emerge. That's not really a knock on the Nuggets, and I do think the Nuggets still have a chance. Is Steph Curry playing well enough right now, Howard, that uh, you don't want to draw Golden State in the playoffs? Well, that's one of the other weird things when I was saying, you know, the West is so weird. Like, as you look over the, the standings and – the um, the bracket itself, you know, there's a lot that's still in flux. And, yeah, the eighth seed, we don't know who that's going to be yet. Um, it's probably one of three teams, Memphis, San Antonio, or the Warriors. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, if, I'm the, if I'm the one seed, that's not the way I want to open the playoffs. You know, I, I, you know the Warriors, that, that roster is, is pretty poor overall. But we've seen what Steph is able to do and the, the level he's playing at. Um, like that's, you know, they, there's always the chance when you're playing against a, t- a player of that caliber that they can potentially pull the upset. I wouldn't expect it. I don't think that's what will happen. But Steph Curry is not the guy you want to draw in the first round, even with this roster around him. Well said. Another team that's uh, not too far from where you are, Howard, uh, the New York Knicks. I mean, they've they've always si- sort of uh, been sort of going beyond expectation, but winning eight straight now? What's going on with that team? Um, they're way better than we could have known even a couple months ago when they you know they got off to a really strong start, and it was and some of it was the. Um, the almost expected version of this, right? Tom Thibodeau comes in, preaches defense, demands, you know, that these guys play up to a certain level and get some of his guys in here, Taj Gibson, trade for Derrick Rose. And so some short-term burst was not out of the question. Whether it was going to be sustainable was always the, the curiosity. So the defense has sustained much longer, you know, at a high level than I think anybody certainly that I expected. Um, and then Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle has worked his way into the All NBA conversation. That's going to be tough for him to actually make because there's a ton of uh, forwards who are who are deserving. But I don't know. Again, all the other unusual things about this season. This is a theme. Julius Randle is in year seven 
and made this crazy leap from really good, solid player who you might want as your third or fourth guy to being a leading man. Um, I don't know if he's a leading man on a contender, but whatever. Who cares right now? Um, His three-point shooting has has taken a leap that is almost never seen for a player who's been in the league this long. His defense, probably in large part because of Thibodeau, uh, has, has taken a leap. He's become a great passer. Um, his assists are way up. He's just this do-it-all, you know, uh, uh, hub of that offense now. And so the, the two things that you could not have have known for sure would be whether they could play defense at this level without, you know, you know, you know, a, a defensive profile. Like they had a couple defensive players, but you didn't really think this team had a defensive profile in terms of personnel. They have kept it up. You didn't know if Julius Randle could keep playing at this level, given that the first six years of his career, he was never anywhere near this level. So um, these are these are things you can't see coming. This is why sports is, are, are, are so much fun. This is why it's great. You can't like there's as you can analyze everything to death and still not see everything coming. Um, so they're they're legit. Um, I don't know where they'll finish. It's still very uh, packed up in, in the East standings from about four where the Knicks are now all the way down through. I mean, there's like a, a, a half a game or so separating or, you know, game and a half separating fourth and seventh. Um, and there's, you know, look, the, there are teams behind the Knicks that have absolutely underachieved, which has helped them. And it's not to diminish what the Knicks have done, but it's, it's just a fact. The Celtics have underachieved. The Heat have underachieved. The Pacers have underachieved. Um, the Hornets have overachieved, but uh, um, noting them because they're in that same stratosphere there, that same strata of the standings, where I think there's just going to still be a lot of movement over the next few weeks. So we'll see where the next finish, but they're going to be in the playoffs and ending the second longest drought in the NBA. Um, Phoenix having the first, or excuse me, Sacramento has the first longest drought, and then it's, then it's the uh, the Suns and the Knicks. So the Knicks have the third longest drought, um, and so two of those three will will uh, will end their droughts, and it will just be the Sacramento Kings. Howard, the Jazz have two games coming up with the T Wolves uh, Saturday and Monday, and uh, curious to your thoughts on Anthony Edwards and what you've seen out of him. I mean, we've all kind of seen the highlight dunks, but uh, what do you think about his potential? He's been he's been amazing. He's been a revelation. I, you know, I talked to people who in the season who were pretty down on him, and he obviously got off to kind of a slow start. But I mean, you know, the more he's had the ball in his hands, and, and the more rope they've given him to to just kind of do his thing, um, he's been he's been great. Uh, he's obviously a really exciting player. He's a lot of fun to watch, and you know, I always say like if you if you're going to have a, a team that's losing a lot of games, at least be entertaining. Um, maybe from a competitive standpoint, they're not night in, night out, but uh, but they, you know, he can put on a show, and he does. I don't know what his ceiling is yet. Is he is he going to be just you know a highlight reel? Can he be a perennial All Star? Something more? Um, you know, that those those are the questions that that we won't know for some time. Howard, you were talking earlier about Julius Randle and his uh, advancement after being in the league a while. The Jazz have a couple of players coming off their bench who have been mentioned as possible six-man-of-the-year uh, award winners, uh, namely uh, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles. Clarkson uh, seems to be the favorite uh, to get that award, but uh, and he's averaging 17.5 points a game and has been a real plus for the Jazz. But Joe Ingles, Howard, is shooting at 70% effective field goal percentage. I mean, that, he, he seems to have suddenly gotten better. 
And I know these things don't happen suddenly. They probably worked their butts off to get this done. But the combination of those two players working hard and Quinn Snyder being willing to utilize them to their strengths seemed to be making a difference, even though Joe is like 55 years old now and, and Jordan has been in the league for seven years, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of it is just, you know, the the, the system that they, that they uh, have deployed this year and – um, they have, you know, made it a priority to, to create, you know, a lot of open, uh, a lot of open shots on the perimeter, and, and Ingles doesn't need, you know, you know, just just you know, he doesn't need a, you know, a, a formal invitation, right? So um, maybe maybe he's getting, like I, somebody's broken this down somewhere, I'm sure, but maybe he's got more open shots than than he had in the past, and, and maybe it's just that. Um, I don't know, you know, is it is it sometimes it's not a guy shooting better, sometimes it's a guy getting better shots, right? Um, sometimes it's a combination of things. But I also think that in Jordan Clarkson's case, like ever since he got there a year plus ago, like this has been the best version of Jordan Clarkson I think we've seen in the NBA. So that's, you know, credit to the Jazz and to Clarkson for um, that evolution because I think this is, you know, this is the best version of him we've seen. I am curious, what are they saying there if it's going to come down to this is like when it was Lou Williams versus Montrez Harrell for sixth man, like how how is uh, how is Utah feeling about those two? Like who's who's the nod going to locally? How would you rate that, Jake? I don't know if there is uh, Howard. It was kind of assumed that Jordan Clarkson was the front runner for so long. I don't know how much people have considered Ingles. So I don't know. I don't know if there's. I think they just love to see the recognition for either one. Let me put it that way. Is that too lame of an answer to your question? I mean, it's you know, it's all right. Lame. <laughs> Pretty lame. Yeah, I know. That's all, I'll be better. It's, I mean, they're they're both going to be on there. I, I think they'll, you know they both get a lot of votes. The, you know, it, the, there tends to be a kind of a simplistic version of, of this voting where it just goes to whoever has the most points off the bench. And so Jordan Clarkson fits the, the prototype for Sixth Man of the Year in that regard. Um, but it's hard to overlook Ingles' efficiency. Now, those are not numbers that people, you know, glance at or, or, or you know, notice as, as quickly. So for Ingles to, to win it, somebody has to really make the case for him. Um, and the Jazz can't make the case for him because it's arguing against their, their other own guy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, but he'll get some support. You know, but I I really love those stories to see these guys get better as time goes by because a lot of times we just classify players early on as to what they are, and Joe Ingles is a guy who, you know, he started out in in the uh, playing for the the uh, the Melbourne South Dragons or whatever they were called, and he's playing over in the Spanish league and not really getting a whole lot of minutes over there. He gets cut by the Clippers. And then he joins the Jazz in like 2014-15, and since then it's been a steady climb. And I, I don't know, there's just something about that that speaks to the human spirit that guys can, that guys really can get better if they work hard. You know, it's I don't know, maybe I'm a sucker for that kind of thing, but I think it's kind of cool. It, no, but you're not. I mean, and I think it's I think that's real, and I think it's important, and it's it's why I always try to you know remind myself and remind you know, fans that it's, we can't judge guys too harshly their first year or two in the league, that you never know when a guy is going to blossom or who's going to work, how hard, um, when they'll, when they'll, you know, when something falls into place, something clicks, or maybe, maybe you just need to be on a different team. Maybe you needed a different coach. Um, and sometimes it is just a matter of how hard a guy works in the off season. And, and so, yeah, like these things aren't static. 
Howard, you are the best. Thank you so much, as always, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Appreciate it, fellas. You too. Thanks, Howard. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Gordon. That's an interesting question. Is the, is the fan base divided? Are there Camp Ingles and Camp Clarkson? And he's right about the <laughs> franchise. The franchise can't really lobby because, what, are you going to lobby against your own guy? Well, I, I was just watching a game the other night. I know it was against Houston. But uh, Jordan Clarkson is effective like he typically is. He, he's he's had some really hot streaks, and he's gone through some periods where he wasn't shooting quite as well. But Joe Ingles right now, if I mean, if he if you just see him launch a three, don't you uh, don't you just sort of figure it's going in? I mean, the odds are just as good that it's going to go in from distance, which is pretty rare, pretty rare. And so I mean, Joe's playing terrific. The, I think only, the only criticism I can have find for Joe is that every once in a while his passes are a little too casual. But, you know, he's the Jazz's third point guard. He really is. Behind Mike Conley and, and Donovan Mitchell. And he oftentimes he initiates the offense, so it's more than just being a catch-and-shoot guy from three. We see him in the in the pick-and-roll with uh, Rudy Gobert and others. It's he, he's, a, he's a valuable cog with the Jazz. And I think when... When the Jazz extended him at that pretty nice contract, some people wondered whether he was worth it, but sure seems like he is. I seem to remember an argument you and I had when uh, one of us said he should just stand in the corner and shoot threes, and the other of us said, boy, his game is about so much more than that that'd be wasting Joe Ingles. I think you were arguing with somebody else over mm, that. wonder who that was. Yeah, Maybe I mean, that must have been, must have been Johnny Lightfoot. Probably. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.